Well, I, uh, I hope that as you've talked about careers, that those of you who are in a career right now are happy with the one you're in. And if you're uh, past the time when you had had a career, that you uh, did have some imagination of what you might have enjoyed. But uh, I think we'll find out more today from Shirley about what her career has been and uh, how she has uh, flourished while being in that career. We'll learn from each other, I think, as we hear that. Let me uh, pray, and then I'll introduce Shirley, and we'll have our faith story. Let's pray. Father, thanks for the uh, reminder from the message this morning that we are all uh, enabled to have a career of helping your kingdom to come as we go and uh, allow you to work through us in creating your kingdom here on earth. Help us to give that new perspective as we go through daily lives, whether we're still in a career or we're retired. Give us your guidance as how we live our lives. So guide us as we hear and listen well today in Jesus' name. Amen. I told uh, Joey that I was going to try something new, and that's if I can get my phone to come alive. I'm going to do an introduction from my phone. How do you like that? That's really high, high tech. This is uh, Shirley, yes, Shirley Wolf. She and her husband have been married for 39 years, been connected to Faith Church for 35 of those years. She's a retired nurse and professor who has a passion for bioethics and end-of-life care. In her spare time, if there is any of that, <laughs> Shirley enjoys reading, journaling, and spending time with family. So welcome, Shirley Wolf. Thank you. Several years ago, I bought this plaque that says every experience God gives us, every person he puts in our lives is the perfect preparation for the future that only he can see. Reflecting on the events and people in my life, I can see how this rings true. Through my story, I hope to convey the profound impact God's guidance has had on my life in making a difference in the world. When I was growing up, I always aspired to be a teacher, missionary, or a nurse. And the Lord allowed me to be all three in one. So as we think about it and I reflect, I'll do my best to kind of share my story that God may be seen. And I give him all the glory. While sharing some information about myself, I'll only touch on certain aspects. During my childhood, one of my treasured scriptures was and still is Psalms 35b, which says, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. I even included this in my senior yearbook quote. This verse reminds me that healing often arises from moments of brokenness, and I know that God is in my life story. Throughout my life, I have encountered various individuals who have played significant roles in my journey. These connections have been initiated by myself and others, and I am certain they are not a coincidence. I firmly believe that God is the orchestrator of my story, and he is aware of every detail. Reflecting on my journey, I humbly give my Lord and Savior all the glory and honor for his unwavering goodness and faithfulness. It is challenging, again, as I said, to narrate a story that every conclusion marks the beginning of something new. I, however, I believe that one must occasionally glance back and acknowledge the path that God has led them on to, in order to understand the present. Bill and I have been married 39 years, and we've been connected with Faith Church for 35 of those years. Not always, there was a period of time where we were not as involved, and then we became more involved again in 2016. But this is just a picture I put up. We do not have children. We have a kitty cat we had for 21 years, and she was the joy of our lives. A daddy's girl all the way, but she also was my helper of grading papers early in the wee mornings. And at 1.30, she would go meow, meow with her cute little meow, telling me it's time to go to bed. As I think about all of the blessings, one of them was the foundation of the gospel being preached here with the various pastors. And one of the things that I remember, in 1989, a surprise birthday party my husband had planned for my 40th birthday, and it was in the gym of the Old Faith building. So I don't know if any of you guys were there or not, but you'll see some people. And one of them was Bill, 
and uh, Felix Thomas and Bill, it shows him cleaning up after the birthday party. And then I had my 70th birthday party celebration with the community group from Faith. So Faith holds a lot of precious memories and very thankful for my Faith Church. As we said, Bill and I have been married for uh, 39 years, and it's been a journey. But what happened in the pandemic was something that I did not expect. I'd planned to retire in May of 2020, which I did, but I felt like I had no closure as I felt many times in my life in situations. I tried to reflect on how my efforts were not fruitful. I was trying to reflect how efforts were not fruitless. Staying distance at six feet was really hard. And many times I found myself climbing into what this duck did, into a tree hole and just staying there. And I was reminded of the verses from the message in Psalms 143, Five, this is kind of how I felt. I sat there in despair, my spirit draining away, my heart heavy like lead. I remembered the old days, went over all you've done, pondered how you worked, stretched out my hands to you as thirsty for you as a desert thirst for rain. This was very challenging for me as well as others. As much as I kept saying, God is so good and so faithful, Why was I always focusing at times on the negative outcomes and telling those stories? There seemed to be no closure after 50-some years of a nursing career, and all of a sudden, no, none. Everything shut down, even no retirement recognition until August, actually, of that year. And that was really hard for me. And so what happened during that pandemic, I think the Lord had my pandemic area shut down so that he could help me to become more aware of what he had done all those years in preparing me for where I was headed during this era. This, again, as I said, was a very challenging time, so I had to dig deep and do some soul-searching and digging. I'm still doing that, though. I learned so much about myself through self-discovery. God's guidance and strength gave me the fortitude to navigate this challenging time. In hindsight, I realized that God had been preparing me for this chapter in my life, and I still am a teacher, a missionary, and a nurse. Those were always my aspiration, and I'm still that person. I'm just in a different phase. I'm reminded of the scriptures from Micah 6.8. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. And also from Matthew 20. To 37 to 39, love the Lord your God and the rest love your neighbor. And that theme came through during the pandemic. I felt very blessed that Faith had some Zoom classes, and a lot of those classes focused on those themes, so to speak. We were studying about different things. And many times when issues would come up, I would realize, yes, I remember that when I was a nursing student at at Marion County General, and I remember this and that, and it kind of piqued my interest. The thing was, as I was mauling through all of that, it wasn't until a few months ago that I really realized how God was orchestrating everything. Part of it has to do with my seeing and having had eye surgery, and that has made me reflect that I'm not where I was, but I'm not where I'm going, right? And so as I am reminded of those verses, there's still work to be done. Despite the bumpy challenges on my journey, I'm thankful for God's constant goodness, faithfulness, and grace. I give him all the glory again. Again, I remember and quote Psalms 35b that God, weak be may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning, and he's got. Again, I like the saying, God doesn't always call the prepared, but he always prepares the called. This was a saying that has proven very true to me. So again, my aspirations to be that nurse and that missionary and teacher came together. Let's see, I I know I wrote that down somewhere. I'm a very reflective, divergent thinker, if you haven't figured it out. (laughs) I have to include everything. And I'm kind of the one that becomes the person that says this and this, and we can do this and this. And then I need that person that says, okay, now, how do we get across the the water without the bridge, right? But I'm saying, we could do this and this and this. So that was kind of how I was thinking through that time. And I realized one thing that probably made me that reflective thinker was, 
I realized the many different family home environments I encountered became family communities as part of my life story. I will not share all of those details because God's got those details in his stories. But as small children, we did live in different family communities. And so when we went to grade school, we were in different family communities in Riley, Indiana, in Knightstown, back to Riley, then back to Clarksburg, and then I am Milroy. So different families became part of how I thought. So when I told my story, my story is, is it when I was here? Is it when I was here? And I realized that those are connections God gave me that helped me to be where I am today. So again, I'm reminded of Jeremiah 29:11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Again, as I think about that thinking of a divergent thinker, I realize that, those, that the distinct family and home environments have shaped my personal journey, although I, again, will not tell all those details. I aim to share some of the highlights of God's faithfulness in my faith journey and how God opened doors in my desire to be that teacher, nurse, and missionary. I'm a twin. I was born, well, it tells you, 1949, so I'm a baby boomer. And we were born at home, my twin brother and I. My parents did not know that they were having twins. So think about that one. So anyway, that's an interesting thing. My twin and I were very, very close, and we had very... I remember very fond memories between all of the home environments and everything of really good experiences in the family reunions with the Shooks and the Harpers. My mother's Harper, my dad, of course, Shook. And so we had many, many good memories of all of that. I will always remember that even though there was some things that somehow didn't make sense to me, I always trusted God. I had not accepted Christ yet. Um, but I always never really thought about why I had to pack my bags and go somewhere. It just was, okay, that was the Lord, I think, giving me that peace. On October the 31st, 1959, our mother passed away when we were nine years old, and that was another challenge, but God again was in the story. My life changed really significantly in the summer of 1959 when my dad and brother and I traveled to Clarksburg to his nephew's, nephew's house, and it was during that time his, uh, they were having church camp meeting, and his wife asked me to go to the camp meet, meeting, and my dad said he would and would wait till we got back so we could go back home that night. I will always remember that experience. I remember sensing a feeling of peace and joy and warmth in my heart and of the environment, and I remember the minister saying, that anyone who wanted to invite Jesus into their heart, they could. I remember standing with tears in my eyes. My cousin said something to me, and I kind of ignored her because I wanted Jesus in my heart. I wanted that peace. And I remember two songs they sang. One was Amazing Grace, and one was What a Day That Will Be When My Jesus I Shall See. And so it became real to me, even at that young age, and the seeds were planted. And so when we got back home, and we were ready to go, I told my dad, I don't want to leave. What do you mean you don't want to leave, right? And so I said, I want to stay. I want to go back to that camp meeting so I can hear more about Jesus, right? So he let me. <laughs> so again, that was another story that I had to please let me. Um, so anyway, God has been so good. So as I think about that and those seeds being planted, I see how God was in the story all along. I remember being at peace and not afraid of dying anymore. I remember being laying on the couch at <clears throat> my cousin's house, and I remember in my mind thinking, I'm not afraid anymore. I'm not afraid to die. I'm not afraid. It was such a peace, I can't even, un can't even explain it. Later that fall in 1959, my dad and twin brother and I moved to Clarksburg, and this was the same area where the church was located. So I ended up attending that church, it's now would be called a Westland Church. At that time, it was Pilgrim Holiness. They had merged. And I was involved in church, very detailed. I went to a lot of camp meetings, and we went to a lot of conferences and stuff like that. And that was really a joy. Also taught Sunday school at a young age. That was kind of an interesting thing. And I helped clean the church. So that was kind of another place where God was molding me, so to speak. And the minister who had that was at the church the day I accepted Jesus, he and his wife went to 
the Congo area and Africa as missionaries, and that's kind of a, the, the nudge a little bit of what I wanted to be a missionary. So that's why I'm really passionate about Africa and Kenya areas in there. I'm always thinking of those because I thought I was going to be a missionary to um, the Congo at that time, right? So to Africa, but I did not go there. I now have a mission field so and touch lives I could never probably touch with that one setting. Anyway, so in, um, these are just pictures here. So in 1960s, my dad was at Robert Long Hospital and had a surgery procedure for facial cancer, and he had complications and had arrested, I found out later, on the table. And one day I, in the mail, I got a letter from this girl, and she was a senior nursing student at IU here in Indianapolis, and um, she had taken care as a student my father, and my father had told her apparently about me and that I had said I wanted to, I was interested in nursing. I was about 11 years old at this time, somewhere around in there, and she wrote me a letter, and it was kind of interesting because the letter I don't have anymore, but I still had the picture, and on the back of the picture it wrote, um, Shirley Kay, best wishes for a bright and happy future, perhaps as a fellow nurse, your friend, Alice. My heart was rejoicing. Here I was, a little kid, and I got this, and she called me by name, <laughs> you know, and my father must have said Shirley Kay, so that's sometimes why I put Shirley Kay on my, when I sign things or so, but it was another affirming that being a nurse is what I'm supposed to be. So a nurse, teacher, and missionary, all three. How is that going to happen? So my brother and I, my dad, in 1965, on December the 1st, my twin brother and I, I told you we had moved to Frankfurt. And it was after the surgery in 1965 that my dad passed away. And when that occurred, that was kind of a, a life-changing thing, too. So we went back and lived with the cousins that we'd gone to many times before to live with them. So here's the twins we've graduated. I graduated from Milroy, my brother from Clarksburg, and we were very close. And I received a scholarship to go to Marion County General Hospital. Now remember, we were not blessed a lot with money. So we each had $96 we received each month from Social Security, but we had no other funding, no other monies. And it was interesting because when I was told that I had received this scholarship, I turned it down. Now, think about it. Turned it down. Where are you going, Shirley? I felt a call to go to Bible college. And so that's where I headed. So when I headed to Bible college, in order to go to Bible college, you got to pay for it, right? So I had to work. So my friend and I that were going to Bible school applied for a job at Clinton County Hospital because you either worked there or you worked in a factory. And I thought, mm, want to be a nurse? I'll, I'll become a nursing assistant. So when we had applied, we were supposed to get a note saying that we had been hired. Well, my friend got a note, but I didn't. And I thought, I don't wonder why they, I don't know. I packed my bags anyway and went with her when they went. So when we went to the hospital, went for the interview, she looks at me and says, oh, Miss Shook, we weren't expecting to hire you. And I said, oh, please hire me. I promise you I won't disappoint you. She hired me on the spot. Go tell. That's not one of many examples of how God is in our stories. My brother continued, he ended up refusing a scholarship also and went to the Marines and actually was in Vietnam. And he was my hero, he and my big brother that's 11 years older. My twin brother passed away in 2016 and Faith Church again reached out to us there in our community group. It was very much of a blessing that we were embraced with them. So that was kind of the story of how we really got more involved again with faith. During the time I went to um, college then and took my classes and stuff, I went back and a year after working at the hospital and taking classes, during that time I had worked full time, carried 16 hours and made the dean's list. And usually that's kind of hard to do, but God was with me all the way. 
And then a year later, at the end of that year, I got another request from the scholarship group saying, are you still interested, Shirley, in the nursing at Marion County? And I, I said, yes. So I took it. So I went to Marion County General Hospital. That was exciting. When they asked me why I wanted to be a nurse, I told them, I feel it's a calling from the Lord. And so that's part of that story. So this time, it was very, um, I felt very embraced by family members. And when I had my capping, that's a big thing in those days. They don't do that anymore, but that's what we did then. And I remember my um, twin brother and my older brother, my sister-in-law, my two nephews were there. These are my prayer partners, really. The little Dan, who's the bigger boy there, and the baby, Dan said to me a year ago, he goes, you know, Aunt Shirley, when we pray at night, we always mention you and Sherman Ray in our prayers. And for years, we really thought that that was part of the wording of the prayers that you said at night, that everybody prayed for Shirley Kay and Sherman Ray. So that, when I heard that, I couldn't help but feel Wow, Lord, you had so many people, not just them, but many people were praying for the twins throughout our lives, right? And we had both the sides of our family had Christians, and there, we were embraced with love. Even though at times we didn't understand or make sense out of what was going on, I now am seeing God's sovereignty of how he was leading the way all the time. Even when I sometimes had put God on a shelf, and kind of said, I'll do my own little thing, right? And get messed up. He's still there. And that was part of what I was learning through that pandemic. There were many teachable moments for me during my basic nurses training that prepared me for my journey. Recall that I always wanted to be a teacher, missionary, or a nurse. And one of the things that came forward was that the NCF, Nurses Christian Fellowship, I became very involved with. Nurses Christian Fellowship is part of the InterVarsity and so you may know that. And so the Nurses Christian Fellowship, that's kind of how what is my foundation of how when you hear later that we started doing conferences with the NCF conferences at the IU School of Nursing in a secular university, and that went for 14 years. So that's a story in itself I'll share a little bit more later. So again, as I think about that, prior to graduation, at Marion County General Hospital, I realized I didn't have enough money to pay my final bill. At that time, you could not get your diploma if you didn't pay your full bill, okay? So no matter how hard I worked, I couldn't get the money. And I was in my last clinical with pediatrics that the director came, and um, during that last clinical, she came to the unit and shared that I had been selected for a scholarship from a ladies' organization associated with the TB and Lung Association at that time, I believe it was. I was ecstatic. It was for exactly the amount of money. Another God thing, right? And so at the scholarship dinner, I recall expressing my heartfelt gratitude to the wonderful ladies again, folding my hands and saying, thank you so much. I promise you I will be the best nurse ever, and I will not disappoint you. And one of the ladies said, I know you will. And that was an affirmation to me, again, that God's in my story, right? And I wish to this day I could thank everybody along those roads. Many have gone home to heaven that I can't, but God knows who they are. But I've been so blessed with all of that. And one of the verses that I think of, the verses that I think of when I think about that part of the story is Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This reminded me in the Lord as, as I've kind of gone through that journey during this pandemic of finding out who am I, what do I do, stuff. I've been reminded, you know, Shirley, you trusted me so freely back in those days, right? Why can't you trust me now? And I'm learning that. But it's real easy to be anxious and stuff. So that was something that kind of affirms to me, God's in my story, confessing, okay, these are my things that I need to be doing better. And so it's been a learning journey all the way. After graduation from um, Marion County General in 1971, I end up 
I ended up going back to Frankfurt and I applied for classes and worked as an RN in the hospital. For some reason at the college, they thought that I might be a good athletic person to help with their girls basketball team. Well, I am not athletic. <laughs> and I play a good game of a racquetball match, used to, um, but not athletic. They also asked me to be the school nurse. So here I was working full time, going to school, and it, uh, I did it for a while, but it just was too much. So it was around that time I was kind of not focusing where I should be focusing. And it was during that time also that I had an opportunity to go to Ex Explo 72, if you remember those, in Dallas, Texas. And that was a journey in itself. So I had $96 in my pocket. I had a ticket, no place to stay or anywhere. Got on a plane for the first time and went to Dallas. I remember getting off that plane and thinking, where do I go? Well, there's a place that had S for Shook, your last name. I thought, I'll go there. Well, they had already done their research and did things and prepared us, so I had a home to stay. That was a, an eye-opener because it helped me to see how God is working in many lives. Sometimes when you grow up in a church, you, you get kind of thinking, this is the only way. You know, as a Christian, you got to do this and this and this. And I learned so many different ways because I saw so many different people. It was also during the Jesus movement, if you remember, um, Life Magazine, I think it was, had a picture and stuff. So that, what I learned from that was a lot of, um, we did a lot of Bible studies and kind of got us involved. And my friend and I ended up moving back to Indianapolis at that time. She and I both worked at, Mar at Winona Hospital for a short time. And then that's when I ended up working at Methodist. When I was at um, Marion County General in my basic nursing program, one thing that I learned was that God is with you and your mission field is wherever you're at, right? So when I was a student there, I was in my OB uh, newborn rotation and I was caring for a baby, an infant, that had, uh, was withdrawing from heroin addiction. His mother had been a heroin addict. She, uh, had, she wasn't going to take him home with her and he had not been named. And I remember holding the little one, saying to my clinical partner that day, that nurse, my student nurse that was with me, but there were two of us, and I remember saying, I'm naming him Timothy, like Timothy in the Bible. I don't know what happened to Timothy, but I've often thought of him and prayed, because many times <clears throat> it's the reaching out, the touching, the being that makes a difference in someone's lives. So all of my life, throughout my nursing training and also my nursing career, I've, I've encountered that. So as I think about all of the experiences that I've had throughout all of this, one thing that evolved from being at Methodist, I was there many, many years, but I started, I was able to work in many different firsts, like we had the first AIDS patient, the first uh, septic shock, you know, all those kind of things you heard about, the first total artificial heart, the first transplant we did, the first of everything, it seemed like. And it's like, I didn't realize that until I was looking back at some things as I'm going through boxes. And I thought, Lord, wow, Lord, you were in my life a lot. And I had a lot of prayer bones going because doing those devices and stuff were really like, Lord, don't let me have to work this shift. Don't choose me for this. Usually I got chosen. I don't know why, but it, it taught me a lot. But it made you on your prayer bones too, right? But it was kind of interesting as I think about how, um, <clears throat> when I was at um, Winona and then gone to Methodist, that how it led me back to, I ended up wanting to teach. So I was still working full-time at Methodist, and I was asked to do some part-time teaching at IU School of Nursing, so I did. And it was there when I met Ella Poor. And Ella was one of the faculty who facilitated the Nurses Christian Fellowship groups, and they were being held in her home. And there were not that many students being connected. And at that time, I'd already been involved in having some uh, classes that was focused on spirituality, ethics. Um, bioethics really wasn't a term we used back then, but I'd gone through, had gotten several opportunities to go different places. And so it was one of the NCF meetings in St. Louis that Ella and I and Joe had one of my other friends went. And it was during that meeting that when we came back, we felt we, at that meeting we were really inspired to um, start an NCF group at IU School of Nursing. 
And so with a lot of prayer and, and consultations and, and impacting uh, and connecting with certain significant folks like Mary Thompson, who was the director of the, um, of the Nurses Christian Fellowship at that time, and also um, there was a nurse that was teacher educator at IU Bloomington that was doing a group, so we taught with we, we connected with her and another individual that actually had a group going at a Christian school um, of Nurses Christian Fellowship. So what we did was we connected with the IU School of Nursing, and Don Fields at that time was the InterVarsity person, if you remember, so he kind of gave some consulting um, to Ella as we were working, and he'd already worked with Sharon that was at Bloomington. And it was interesting how it came about because in order to do it, we had to do a lot of the work. We had to promise that we could make the money happen and that put people in the red. Well, we had our first conference after we worked um, and got everything together. We had our first conference in 1993. We had 72 attend. That was unheard of, right? And we came out in always the black. We never had the red, ever. And that year turned into 14 years of conferences. That was a God thing altogether. And so <clears throat> when we did that, at that very first conference, we tried to choose something that was relevant at the time. And the speaker was um, Bobby, Bonnie Miller from the NCF, and she was our main speaker. And then we had a panel discussion. And the panel that we had, one of them was a minister who had been the minister of the family of a girl that I cared for at, in the critical care that had had surgery, went home, and came back with complications, actually ended up dying. It was a very complicated case. And I really connected with the family and the mother and the fiance. I remember the fiance one day saying to me, <clears throat> he would go to the chapel and pray Psalms 91. And I was talking to him one day, and I said, you do realize that, you know, is her, that your, 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 fiance is, is, is really serious and the kind of talks that you have to have, those kind of things. And he looked at me and he said, if I don't have hope, what do I have? And that piked in me something that was another seed that grew that helped me along my way. And I remember thinking that's what we can give them is hope. We can't do everything to cure people, but we can never, ever forget about caring and compassion and that's so important. So I remember the mother coming up to me, and I remember talking to her, and I looked at her, and I said, you know, I know a little bit about Lisa as far as their, I see tubes and stuff, and I know a little bit, but could you help me understand who she is, who is who, who she is? And I was sharing because she was hurting, and I could tell that, and I'd said something about, I have a book, would you mind if I gave it to you? It was called by Philip Yancey, Where is God When It Hurts? And I thought, she didn't really say too much. I thought, oh, no, I've offended her. I've stepped outside my boundary as a nurse <laughs> in a hospital. I'm going to be in trouble, all this, you know. At that time, um, <clears throat> I remember thinking, oh, no. About, it took her about three to five days, and then she came to me with a little piece of paper and said, Shirley, I'm sorry it took me so long, but here, is some high things, uh, here are some key things about Lisa that means a lot. And I thought to myself, wow. So I remember giving her a hug, and we had tears, and her, her, sister, her, her daughter died. And that story was shared. And when the minister shared at the conference, he shared that two of the family members became Christians after that, some way or another. I don't know the whole story. The other person who was the, on that panel that day was another nurse friend, and she had post-op complications after having twins. So she shared her story of what it was like to be in that crucial moment and what it was like, um, what it meant for having caring people take care of her, not only the physical, but the emotional, spiritual, and all of that. So that was another clue that I, I had. And now I think it was kind of a gift the Lord gave me to be in tune to what my patients needed and stuff because I had no idea. I did things that I normally would not have ever done. So I know the Holy Spirit was guiding me in all of my nursing career. So at the same time, um, oops, I'm, 
at the same time, I, met, I was at a Bible study fellowship, or one of the classes, and I met a, a nurse, a, a, a person who had, um, am I going backwards? It's okay. I'm, I, I can go on. So I met a, a nurse who was interested in um, becoming, a, a, a person who was interested in becoming a nurse. And that's my alley. So I can talk nursing all day if you want to. Um, so as I thought about it, she asked me certain questions about nursing, and I said, oh, yes. And so she had a second degree, so she had thought she was going to go to IU and apply because of the second degree nursing program. And that actually was one of the programs I helped to teach. I taught every accelerated student at IU except for two groups, and those were the summers uh, prior to my retirement. So that was a gift the Lord had given me too. And so I knew about that, and they said, well, we can't get you in this fall, and you need to do this and this. And she said, is there any other IU uh, open? And she said, well, Kokomo's doing it. And so it was during the time that she went to Kokomo that she um, ended up doing a, setting up a Nurses Christian Fellowship um, a fellowship with the students, and they were having conferences. And in 2007, I was invited to uh, speak at that conference, and it was on uh, dealing with end of life, caring, um, the web of caring. It was based on Charlotte's story. And if you know Charlotte's story, the old Charlotte story by White, um, it was really interesting of looking at how... uh, what I thought palliative care fit in and how there was connections in communities and walking alongside each other. So it was kind of interesting as I go through all of this and think about how God was in my story and everything that I did. And when I came to the conclusion that after this end of, uh, after this conference with Nurses Christian Fellowship, I'd already become involved with um, Trinity. So it was at Trinity that I was taking some Masters of Arts and Religion, and the classes were different around in here at the churches is where they would meet. And it was during one of those, um, during one of the times I was taking a class, they had offered a bioethics conference um, at Trinity where I could get like seven credits toward the MAR, because at that time they didn't have the bioethics program. And so I went that summer, and that was life-changing. That was in 2003. And I remember Dr. Kilner and Dr. Cameron, who were the leaders at that time, I was just mesmerized. There were people from all over the world, um, England and Netherlands and stuff, I was meeting that were doing ethics and bioethics and stuff. And they were just beginning to set up their center. And they didn't have the masters of bioethics there then. But um, I remember... One evening, as we were finishing our classes, there was just a few of us, Dr. Kilner looking at me and saying, Shirley, do you know of any organizations or anybody who might be interested in helping to support our new bioethics center? And I said, yes, Mary Thompson from the Nurses Christian Fellowship. So they became part of the support. And so every year they've been represented through the conferences there. So I saw that as a connection how God connected. All my life, I've seen all those connections, right? And it was many times um, when um, things like that happened. And several, um, somewhere around in there, several times, I think a year or so, I was asked by IU School of Nursing. I'd already previously been asked to do the end-of-life nursing education consortium training to help to implement it into the School of Nursing. And that was mind-changing, too. It it was in 2001 I did my training, and one of the ladies that had been in the course, later Cheryl, she was one of the three um, instructors out in, um, forget where it was, Arizona or somewhere that was shot, if you remember, that there's so many shootings. But I remember having met her at that conference, and it was so life-changing, and and thinking about all that's going on, and I thought, you know, I need to share outside of this. So as a nursing education consortium trainer, I I was listed in Indiana with the end of life um, um, as an end end of life expert. I'm an expert at nothing really, nothing. So it's like, don't ask me. And so I didn't really do any conferences there, but I I shared a lot of information at some hospitals and some um, 
churches and sometimes individuals. And I also would be asked to help with students who are doing research and spirituality and end of life and ethics and stuff too. So God opened the doors there again, again, the connection. And so when the, the graduate course was offered, the dean asked me, to uh, please, uh, that she wanted me to represent the school and go for the training. And I said, you know, I'm not really interested because you're going. And I've learned you don't really say no to the dean. And so anyway, that was another story in itself. So I needed a reference. So one of the references I called was Dr. John Kellner at the center. And I shared with him that I need a reference. And he said, oh, I'd be glad to do that. And he said, by the way, Shirley, do you know we have a master's of, relig- of um, bioethics now? You might be wanting to switch uh, your majors. And so I did. And so I wiped it off. They accepted 25 credits of the master of religion. And so I got the bioethics. And that was life changing. So um, this year actually is the 30th celebration. I'll put that plug in. And um, they're going to kind of reflect back on the Christian stake and bioethics revisited. So I hope to join by line. I'd like to go in person, but I know I can't. So, Bill, I'd like to go online. <laughs> and through all of this, I mentioned Bill because he's the one that traveled me back and forth to all these places. Um, the one thing that came through all of this, too, was combining everything together. That was a bioethics day. I put that in there to kind of remember how it all started. And sometimes when you were doing things for, um, for your courses, you would have to participate in certain ways. So that was one of the days that I was trying to participate like I was supposed to um, at the big conference. Um, One of the things that stood out to me with the bioethics was I had the privilege of uh, walking across campus with Dr. Pellegrino. Those of you who are physicians may know he was the ethicist to the ethicist kind of person. And I remember being so impressed. He debated the uh, lawyer of Dr. Kevorkian And that was an interesting, that opened my eyes to, there's always both sides of the stories. And through my experiences without going anywhere, I've actually had students that were family members of people that had been (coughs) subjects to Dr. Kevorkian. Those are interesting things. So I I saw my my passion growing bigger to how, how do you reach out and become not the person, but the person behind the scenes maybe praying and helping to get the resources out there and the help that people need to know about all of this, that God is the answer and helping people with caring, compassion, and letting them know that there's hope in Christ. And yes, there are bad things happening, but we can also be the, to walk justly um, and to show mercy. Um, So if I looked at my bioethics now and the training and the research I did, it's still similar concepts, but it's a whole different world right out there. It's a whole different world. So there's a big need to get our young people involved in in being um, knowledgeable and to educate people um, in all of this. The other thing that came out of it was uh, PESI is a company that does different kinds of uh, education. And so I'd been reached out to, and I ended up developing um, an end-of-life conference. And I ended up doing four of those. Two of them were in New York and two in Minnesota. And Pastor Tom actually called me um, a couple days before the conference asking me, how can we be praying for you? I don't know if you remember that or not. But that meant so much to me to know that people were praying. And that was um, a learning lesson in itself because you're out there, and it's a different world than the hospitals. Uh, So people who came to the conferences many times were chaplains, nurses, social workers, all kinds of people. And so that was um, um, an interesting one. I got one comment, well, there are a couple really, but one comment where they felt too much spirituality and religion was included in it. And I thought, hmm, how can you really do that when you're thinking about life and death, right? You have to uh, be, so being mindful. So one of the things that I've learned is how to walk alongside and we're not on the same path. We're kind of on the path, but we're not on the same path with some things, right? With religion or so. 
So it's kind of interesting uh, when patients will ask for certain things. You had to call a limit one time when they wanted to light a candle in their room, uh, but you walk beside them. And I remember saying to one person, I said, I'm not comfortable with that, but I'll get someone um, that will pray with you. And so I wanted me, what, it was uh, the rosary. I don't know, I'm not Catholic, so I don't know the rosary, but I respect it. And I said, I'll pray for you. I said, are you wanting your rosary? And they said, yeah, my friend was a Christian. She was Catholic and she prayed with her. So there was those connections. If you look for them, they're there, right? Where how God puts you in a place for such a moment as this. And so I was blessed. And so some of my experiences from them, bigger conferences I learned, there's all kinds of people in that audience, right? And you have to address what is truth, but you also have to have a listening ear and be open and, and see how you can walk alongside to show Christ at the same time, not ostracizing everybody, right? And I think that's sometimes kind of hard because some of them are like tough decisions. And I was just talking with someone that said they were doing a conference that's going to be kind of like heavy. So that's where we have to pray and get on our knees, right? So just to go back a little bit, I know I've gone and on and kind of go, but I just want to say that in my career, I've been so blessed and, I, and Methodist is one of the places. It's the mothership. It's Al Clarion. It was Clarion. It was IU Health. But anyway, this is an experience I had sometimes, too, is with the exchange people and people from other countries. Some of the, the educators would come, and they would observe our classes and stuff, had opportunity. And I had opportunity about four times, I think, to work with some of the exchange students from China. And this was my last group. So you usually only had them for a day or maybe three days or so. So when they did their uh, shadowing with my students, they would be paired with a student. So this is the last group um, of students, if you see, uh, with them. Um, the other thing I was involved with was um, IU Health and uh, Fairbanks and school, of, and the school of Nursing was developing and setting up the Fairbanks. I remember when there was nothing in there and we were crawling around. I didn't crawl, but I saw one of the doctors crawling trying to figure out where's the best place to put things. So I had that journey. That was a wonderful journey. So many of my experiences with the simulations, which are the mannequins, was I always seemed to be the one they'd call on whenever there was anything to do with death and dying and religion or spirituality. So I never said anything about, I didn't go around saying a lot of stuff, but I think by our character, our walk, and our actions, people tell maybe there's a little bit difference there, right? They know, and you always know when you're in a presence of a Christian too, and you connect. So I had many great experiences there. And then it's showing the first of a lot of stuff, and one was the helicopter. I can almost have, I have vivid memories of all of these things. That's why I'm a divergent reflective thinker, I guess, I don't know. And then one of the other things we did was a lot of projects with the School of Nursing and um, the hospitals, IU Health and stuff. And this is one where we got together and we did a lot of simulation with the newer nurses to help train them. So within there, usually we always did something about um, emergency situations. We did stuff on uh, end of dying with compa compassionate care. There'd be patients with respiratory distress, some of those that had some um, issues ethical or so. I didn't really get involved with the pediatric as much. Um, and then one of the things, you really can't see it, but in the learning lab, without my knowance, they took my picture, and when I, the picture they captured of me, I'm with two gentlemen from um, Africa, from the Moy University and the hospital there, and they were uh, following me around for a day. And I remember taking them to the learning lab and showing the mannequin. <clears throat> and I remember the one that was a clinical and one was an educator in the university, and boy, um, him looking at me and he said, Shirley, how much, how much are these mannequins? Because you could practice, right, um, in your area and learn them. And I said, uh, because we have patients on ventilators and we only have five ventilators and it goes for the babies on up. They had no ventilators but they wanted to train more people to be able to do things. And to this day, I looked last week or so, I was looking, and they got lots of ventilators and stuff now, mannequins to practice and ventilators and stuff. So I felt like I was a little piece of that. I never got to go to Kenya. I found out by accident that 
they had wanted me to be one of them to be selected, and my chair had held me back because she thought I was too busy doing things and too stressed out. So I never got the opportunity to be one of the people, but I've had the opportunity to have students from there and all over the world. So yeah, I had my, my um, blessing to be a nurse, a teacher, and a missionary, because your mission is wherever your field is. And I touched thousands of students, and those students touch another person, right? And it keeps going on, so I've been so blessed. Bill deserves a lot of credit. He was behind me. He used to say, now, you're on another degree. Now, is this the last terminal degree? <laughs> um, and so I was honored with a lot of, if I think about when I saw it, it's like, wow, I got a lot of recognition, a lot of certificates, a lot of whatever, because I was recognized nationally for both of the LNAC work. And, you know, I went to a meeting one day, and on the screen was my name that... Um, the IU, IU, the total big campus, and my name was there, and I thought, when did I get that? <laughs> but anyway, God's been good, so I, all I could know is I had a real little, very perfect paper to read at the end, and I left it, and I think it was because God wanted me to be me today. So I hope that the story has um, piqued your interest in knowing that regardless of what the bad is, God uses the bad that was thought for bad for good. So I've been so blessed. And my last group of students that helped with the pandemic shutdown, they were uh, grandfathered for a short time as an RN. So this is my last group that I had. And um, you don't see the chocolates, but I was always a chocolate person. So they have the flowers there. So, and that is a picture of one of my favorite of my brothers. My twin, of course, is in heaven rejoicing, but my older brother and myself so that's my story part of it That's a good question. Uh, several years ago, um, they were searching for something like that, and so I went to some of the initial uh, information on Stephen's ministry. So it, it kind of pikes my interest because it's a caring, compassionate, walking alongside. Uh, the thing it doesn't have is I can't do my nursing stuff, but that's okay. I don't, I don't know how to do it anymore anyway. Uh, but it was something that I felt like, okay, now that I'm retired, the Stevens ministry thinks like, and I remember saying, I wonder if they'll even accept me. Am I good enough? Really, those kind of questions still come in my head because I don't see myself who I am sometimes in Christ. So he's teaching me that even in the brokenness, I'm not, I'm not you. I'm me. And so I think that's what I thought of when I, and I did my research before I did. I went online, found all that stuff, talked to some of my friends, and I realized that it's something I could do. But I was really concerned, do I have to drive of a night because of my eyes or so? But anyway, and I have eye surgery, so I'm still recovering. Um, it's a journey that we didn't expect, but God's in the story again. Um, but I felt I would say it's a calling. I know that that's what the Lord opened a door for, and I should walk through it. So that's, that's my story. <laughs> Well, how I did that was um, a friend invited him and said, I've got this Christian friend. And I said, okay. And at that time, I had God on a shelf, right? I, I don't know how else to say it. I, God was not primary in my life. And he invited him for a steak dinner. <clears throat> and the first he came, um, the person that was bringing the steak did not come yet. And so I was working that night. 
And I didn't answer the door the first time, and I went out. And so I saw that he was still out there, and he saw that I turned a light on, and he came back up again. And I opened the door, and I said to him, Oh, so you're that Christian guy so-and-so's talking about. Well, I want you to know I got a Bible, too. And it was through all of that. And at that time, God had been working with me, because if you were in my apartment, you would see different scripture verses here. Everywhere I turned, God was in my face. He was there. He says, I'm here. I'm here to stay, and I'm not going anywhere. And I am going to mold you. And he's still molding me, but yeah. So that's kind of the story. And he took me to, where was it? Um, Somewhere in... uh, no, you took me to some park or something, and I wouldn't, get on a, I wouldn't get on the ride because it says if you've got heart problems, and I had a prolapsed mitral valve. <clears throat> and he thought I was lying. Well, I went on the ride anyway and ended up in the hospital. <laughs> and so when he came to see me in the hospital, I said to him, go away, I want to see you again. And so he walked away, and I thought, I don't know if that's the right thing to do. Maybe I, so I tra- he said that he would never have came back had I not come after him. I don't know. But anyway, so it's been a blessing. I didn't share stories about his family, but his mother was like my mother and his dad. And Papa always said, whatever the girls want, they get. So, yeah, I was blessed. Um, many years with many, even though they've been taken away. I think I've learned a lot through these last years. <clears throat> Last 22 was not a year I'd want to repeat, but I think I've learned a lot through that year. I don't like spiders anymore, but Charlotte was okay. And her little ones, I think, as long as they don't bite. Because I had a bad spider bite. It was horrible. Red, so, I don't know. But Bill was the one that actually stood beside me. I remember, yeah, is this the last? So he would go, and actually during the daytime, it was really neat because he'd find things to do, and then at night we'd go and do it. So, yeah. So God's in the story. And I think it took the pandemic, really, and the way it happened. Like when I said there's no closure, I never had a closure through those 32 and a half years at Methodist. There was no, um, the, some girls did a retirement, or I did um, going away. But see, I wasn't retired yet, so I never, but I did get a 30-year gold watch (laughs) at my 30th. I still have that. Yeah, and some other gold things for different years, but yeah. But you know, it's it's merged together. It it looks like I was here and there. And Indiana Wesleyan, I taught there some too. I learned a lot there in the RMBS program. But I have, it, it was just, yeah. Bill never knew what I was up to. And I never knew, because most of the time when I was asked to do something, it's like, how'd this happen? You know? I don't ever remember saying anything. I don't ever remember really asking for anything. It just kind of came to me, if that makes any sense. Even when they told me I couldn't retire with the interdisciplinary team I was working with, they said, Shirley, you can't retire. You've got to keep going. And I said, I'm retiring. <laughs> But God's there. I just met, I forget her name, that's at the ethics, that works at the ethics center, a connection that knew me. So, yeah. So even today, God is still in my story. And I'm trying to learn not to see the negative because I can be very, I can share my story in their negative. This is what I went through. This is how God helped me. But I, I found out that when I kept saying, God is so good and faithful, yes, he is, but I felt like I focused too much on a negative. Does that make any sense to anyone with that, what I said? I don't know. I'm just me. I didn't mean for my email to say me, though I can't get that word off of there, but when you see it says from me, (laughs) I don't know how to get it off. Because when I tried to set up a a long time ago, I put that there so nobody would know that. I, I can't get rid of it. I don't know how to get rid of it. If anybody knows, let me know. That's all. There's one other intersection I was interested in. That's how you connected with the church. You said you've been here for 35 years. Actually, there's a story that's part of a story that's part of the part I don't share a lot. But remember Hope Church? Some of the people that 
came to faith were there then. And um, there was an individual when there was a situation going on in life uh, that they recommended this person, and that person had then started coming to faith. So I knew it from that. And then also, I'll tell you, I knew of physicians. Charles Kelly <clears throat> was teaching his, um, I think we might have been here then, but he taught medical students. He had them at Wishard. And when I had some of my medical students at Wishard, which was Eskenazi now, um, he always brought donuts. And so when his little group left, my little group went in and ate the rest of the donuts. <laughs> so I knew people through, so I knew people through um, some of the nurses and some of the medical people from Methodists. And I was always the one when I was doing the simulation interprofessional begging for medical students. And I remember people would say, Joey, why do you keep sending me these messages? I said, you're a doctor, and I need a doctor in my medical simulation. So that's my story. <laughs>